So good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are in the world, and welcome to the Life You Deserve podcast. My name is Dr. Jill Barham, and I am conducting a series of interviews during COVID-19 and the lockdown, all about domestic abuse, domestic violence, particularly in the home. We know that 88% of incidents happen within the home, and so during this period, it's no real surprise that abuse against humans and, in fact, animals is um, and has risen and so I am interviewing people who have experience in whatever ways on domestic abuse and today my special guest is a lady called Ruth Driscoll who was indeed a a victim of domestic abuse uh, when she was a head teacher Uh, so domestic abuse cuts across all uh, genders all races, all religions, all age groups, all social standings. Um, And she's here to talk to us about how you can recognise it. This is in in combination with a hashtag spot the signs campaign and awareness campaign that I'm running presently. And she gives us real tangible ways that we might be able to recognise what is going on in somebody's life um, and how to spot Uh, those subtle things that otherwise you might miss, and also some of the ways in which you can help. And um, there are some tips and techniques in here and links to some uh, methods and techniques that if you are suffering with domestic abuse yourself, uh, you can avail yourself of. So um, it's a really important episode, and I would really ask you to support the campaign by following us on Facebook, hashtag spot the signs and also by sharing the campaign posters and by sharing all of the episodes. So here she is, here is my lovely friend Ruth Driscoll. How the very devil are you? Oh, I, you know, I'm, I'm good. I'm really good. I think uh, definitely the sunshine helps a lot, doesn't it? Yes, it did. We, we had a conversation a couple of days ago, didn't we, about how fortunate we are that we're able to get out into the sunshine during Absolutely. lockdown. Absolutely. Yes, yes, most definitely. So Ruth, um, we're here to talk about something really important and quite serious uh, that is going on in the world at the moment, um, and that is the rise in uh, domestic abuse. So we know that domestic, most domestic abuse incidents occur in the home, about 88% of them happen within the home. And we know that um, domestic abuse accounts for 15% of all violent crime and that nine out of 10 deaths are at the hands of a former or current partner. So we know that those are the statistics and scarily, um, you know, very sadly, two women, and we, I mean, we know that this happens to men and women, but we know that two women die a week at the hands of some form of, uh, a, a, from a partner or some form of domestic abuse ordinarily, but that has more than risen in the last four weeks of Corona lockdown. And so, you know, this is a very serious subject at the moment and one that I'm desperate to talk to you about because you have some real um, ad- practical things that you can help these people with that are living in lockdown at the moment with an abusive partner. Is, is that right? 
Well, yes. Um, I mean, you know, to be honest with you, Jill, this was such an inevitability that there was going to be a rise in this situation with the when lockdown occurred. And it makes me feel quite sad that, you know, it's only when it becomes an issue that that you know, governments and, and um, those in authority actually start looking at it and looking at where there might be solutions. Um, so as often happens in these cases, we look to, well, what can we do um, around uh, this kind of a situation? Firstly, for someone who's in that situation, what's something that they could potentially do? And I have some thoughts to, to um, offer you today. And also for those um, who suspect that somebody that they know or somebody that lives close to them may be in this situation. Um, so we can talk a little bit there about some of the things that you might be able to look out for. Yes, which is a really good idea. And um, I will share uh, the campaign that I launched just a few days ago called Spot the Signs, because with the, the renewed kind of community spirit, and one of the very positive things that have come out of lo lockdown is that more and more people are kind of looking out for each other within our communities. But what is also clear to me is that um, you know, we've been we've been too much minding our own business uh, for, for many, many years and that actually sometimes it's appropriate to just be a little bit more mindful um, and a bit more supportive and a bit more aware that there will be people that you know that have been suffering um, already and that are now suffering more from domestic abuse in incidents. And I don't just mean violence. We're going to talk about the type of abuse, too. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, taking on board that it's not somebody else's problem, that actually this is a societal problem and it's all of our problems in whatever form it takes. Yeah, and you know, and in fact, um, Jill, the fact that we are all in lockdown um, and as you rightly say, we're all much more alert and conscious and caring about the people around us. Um, and that in a sense, almost will support us in being more aware of where there might be the uh, a problem of domestic abuse and potentially even domestic violence mm -hmm. um, with somebody who's who's close to us living close to us because we're all there we're all in our homes yeah. all the time now whereas normally we might miss something because we're out at work or we're down the shops or we're visiting family but now we're all within our homes and we're more aware of the sounds of people living around us, mm -hmm. sounds we can hear through walls, all of those things. And so that will help us to be far more alert where there may be a, a sinister problem close mm -hmm. to us. Um, so we, we will get on to some of the other signs as well in the second half of the call. But yeah. um, first of all, what I'd, I'd like you to do, because it seems strange that here you are, this very beautiful, very middle class, lovely Welsh lady, um, who actually you were a former headmistress, weren't you? Yes, we say head teacher. Oh, head teacher. <laughs> Sorry, that shows my age, doesn't it? <laughs> Different connotations, I guess, for the headmistress. <laughs> Um, but not actually, that kind of a podcast. <laughs> no, 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 not that kind of a podcast. Um, not this time, anyway. Um, so here we are, um, and people might look at you or listen to you and think, "Well, what does she? What does she know? You know, how could she possibly?" And what I've learned is that actually, I've got 
you know, acquaintances and friends from all different backgrounds, all different colors and creeds, all different income levels, and anybody and everybody, men and women, and you know, we're not going to talk about children specifically today, can be the victims of domestic abuse. So I just wonder if you wouldn't mind sharing with us a little bit about your own story, how it started, um, and what your experience of it of it was. Yes, uh, I guess this is the, one of the sort of myth busters around uh, the world of domestic abuse. Because, you know, if you're, if you're not involved in it, then it's very, it's, a, it's kind of difficult to understand and, and understand the complexities of it. Because it's not a black or white issue in that sense. Mm. You know, um, even when you're inside an abusive relationship, there are times when it's actually quite good, you know? So it's a very complex um, area and difficult to understand when, um, unless you, you know, you've really been inside it and experienced it as well. And um, as you say, you know, at the time that this was happening to me, I was the head teacher of a challenging inner city primary school um, in an area of lowest 5% of socioeconomic deprivation. So it was a challenging environment. And indeed, it was an environment where I was dealing with bullying behavior um, and supporting um, the pupils, children that are learners uh, to make more effective choices. And also working with a community, you know, this was a challenging and needy community um, and supporting there as well. So it's not like, um, you know, I was somebody that um, was downtrodden. Um, I wasn't um, somebody who was afraid to use their voice and speak out. You know, I was a respected leader in um, a, a very demanding and challenging role, a very rewarding role as well, I have to say. Mm. Um, so, you know, in different areas of our lives, we can have different experiences. But it's important to also, if you're in that situation, the one thing that happens is that you tend not to speak about it. You feel very ashamed, you know, that this has happened to you. Um, and so a lot of what will happen will be that you, you may be covering it up, you may be justifying it, you'll be making excuses to yourself, as well as perhaps to anyone who might um, notice something and actually ask a question. So you'll be in denial about it. But always in the back of your mind, there'll be that, that niggling feeling, something's wrong, something's wrong here. And that can seem even more confusing if the relationship that you're in is abusive, but it's not actually physically abusive. But even when there's a physically abusive relationship, you know, um, the, the person who is inside that relationship can still not perhaps recognize what the, the real problem is. So it, it is a very complex situation. And, um, it's, it's one that we should really have our minds open to the whole time, but it's not particular people who are in that scenario. Mm. Uh, as you rightly said, it can happen right across the board. It, you know, it happens to men, it happens to women, it can happen in gay relationships. It's a, a real um, issue that um, there, there's a whole raft of complexities around 
so when I eventually released myself from this abusive relationship, you see what had happened was my health suffered as a result of this. And a consequence of that was that I needed to resign from my position as head teacher. And that kind of sent me on a different journey, a journey um, of not only recovering my health, but also discovering what was it that had gone on? Because I kind of had three burning questions that I needed to find the answer to. Um, you know, why was it that I was um, receptive to the negative messages that this person had been placing on me? Um, what was it about him that had made him so randomly and pointlessly cruel? And how could I ensure that it would never happen to me again? Mm -hmm. And I and, think... That's really important because we do know that women who come out of abusive relationships tend to go back into similar type of, or men for that matter, yes. go back into similar experiences. And that's when you've never been in that situation, it's sometimes hard to fathom. Why don't they just leave? Why, why are they putting up with it? What, you know, it's really hard to understand, isn't it? It's very hard to understand and it can cause a great deal of frustration not only for those who um, you know have somebody in that situation as an acquaintance or a friend or a relative but even for for example the crown prosecution services you know where they're trying to they manage to get as far as um, taking the abuser to court and and then the other partner often the woman will say no i don't want to go through with it i love him mm -hmm. um, and you know it's very difficult for people to understand <laughs> the complexities that are involved here. Mm -hmm. But, it, you know, it's so important that you know where the gaps are in you. Yes. <laughs> I'd really like to have an, another show. I think we'll do another conversation yeah. about that. And yes. help people to really understand what, what the cycle of abuse looks like. Definitely. Um, but today, I think really more importantly, you know the, the key message for today is what we can offer people today there's just one question that i'd like to ask you though um which is uh, did anybody ask you at any time did anybody see any red flags or have any idea that you were going through this um i think um they they didn't they didn't like him and they did feel um that uh they were excluded from uh, the relationship that I was having with him, which is one of those red flags, yeah. that, that sort of isolating, pushing away anyone else who is close to you. Um, no one actually asked me directly, um, but I'm sure they had very, you know, they had a lot of concerns and worries and mm -hmm. felt that I had been lost to them. And indeed, you know, um, I would say at the worst time during the relationship, I actually didn't have a clue who I was anymore. Mm. We, will, we will talk about that. So but first of all, what I'd, what I'd really like to do is, um, you know, it's very difficult for uh, anybody who's at home at the moment to access practical help. Yeah. And we know that the helplines are, I don't know, the calls have gone up by 120, 146% it's been quoted. And that sometimes it's very difficult for women to even, or men to even make that phone call because they are so controlled, super controlled now. Every moment is controlled. And we know there's a great service, you know, we know that there's the, the silent service which women can call 999. And if they can't speak, or men, if, they can't, if they're too afraid to speak, 
they call 999 and then just dial 55 and the police will be alerted and and will come um to where they are but th that only has to be from a landline that can't work from a mobile because obviously you uh, your your mobile um, isn't traced in the same way, so it, that's better from a landline. But a lot of people don't have landlines, so yeah. you know um, it's it's quite complicated, isn't it? It but is. What I'd really like to talk to you about with your experience, and I know that you've gone on to, as you say, this self discovery, um, and I, I'd really like to talk to you about that maybe next time we get together as well, and how your life has changed. And what you've discovered about yourself and and um, and your ex-partner and how all of that kind of came about. But for those that are listening now, and thank you if you keep kept listening till this far, is what can people do who are at home today, and they are in this very fearful because abuse is based around fear, is it not? Yes. What can they do? There is a, some practical things I know that you have to offer, some suggestions um, to help them survive through uh, this very difficult time. Yes. Um, well, um, I, what I do now is I actually work with people, supporting them out of manipulative, abusive, controlling relationships and into empowerment and freedom. So um, there are, you know, this is the, the great news. There are a lot of things that you can do to support yourself because it's finding again that power inside yourself because, um, you know, ultimately, um, uh, uh, you it, it, you know, it's a difficult concept to understand when you're inside the, the relationship, but it's recognizing that, you know, the reason that this has happened is because inexplicably and, you know, sort of um, and unconsciously, you have gradually allowed that person to get away with those things. This is where, you know, your boundaries are not kind of firmly enough in place, which is what I recognized about um, why this had happened to me. But crucially now, you know, you're at home, you're stuck inside uh, in lockdown with this person of whom you feel probably very frightened. You feel like you're treading on eggshells the entire time. Um, you just don't know what's going to provoke that person to kick off and um, and then there will be a great outburst, which may involve a verbal assault on you, may involve a physical attack on you. Um, obviously, if there is a physical attack, then it's really important that um, whatever means you can use to, to get a message to the police, because um, that's they need to handle that from there. But from inside the home, things that you can do. Um, so... The one thing that's really important because the the abuser gets inside your head and the reason that they're able to control you is because they are putting you constantly in this place of fear. So what's something that you can do without them realizing what it is that you are doing that can help to pop the bubble of that power that they're holding over you? And make you feel actually, you know, I there is a possibility that I can control things again here. So one of the things, just a little technique. Um, so one of the things that um, that I use with my abusive partner was I I gave him a name. Um, the name that I gave him was the Jackass. 
<laughs> now that's kind of you know it sounds a little bit like i'm being disrespectful this is not about being disrespectful this is about taking a strategic approach to help you feel less intimidated by that person um, you know, you you um, you heard uh, you often heard if you're nervous standing in front of a group of people, just imagine them all naked. It's it's kind of like that sort of a technique. But the the idea is you give them a name and um, and create an image. So for me, the image of the jackass was um, you know like. Um, the head of the pantomime horse. So it's like he's put the head of the pantomime horse on. He thinks he's a fine strutting stallion, but he's actually, you know, he looks more like a pantomime horse. And I imagine this pantomime horse, and little colored spots all over him. And I called him, him the jackass. Now, the reason that that works is that when that person is coming at you, rather than seeing the person that's in front of you, you put the image of what you've created. And the, the sillier you can make it, the better. You know, sometimes laughter can help you. If you can put something, just makes you go give a little bit of a laugh. Not you laugh in front of them. You just keep that inside your head so that when, um, when that person is coming at you with anger, rather than feeling that you're, you're recoiling in the way that might normally happen, it's easier for you to stand your ground, not in any confrontational way, but in a way that stops that power over you. Mm -hmm. So it's something that may take a little bit of practice, um, but... It reminds me of, and you'll get this because being a head teacher, of the boggit in uh, Harry Potter, you know, where, the, where they come out, of the, the boggit comes out and it's Professor Snape and he turns into, you know, Granny or Auntie, whatever her name yes. is. It's yes. that very powerful vivid image isn't it brilliant yes that's exactly it jill yes the more powerful and vivid you can make that image and the crazier that you can make it in terms of your mind's eye then the the more it will help you to feel less intimidated by that person mm -hmm. now this is important because the critical thing is that a bully needs you to be frightened and intimidated by them. Yes. Because, you know, if you're not frightened or intimidated, where, where does the bullying go? So the more that you're able to feel less intimidated by that person, the less power that they have. But here's the key thing, they will have no clue what you're doing. No. They'll just know that their power's gone. Isn't that interesting? So it's actually an, a change of your internal state yeah. which is not obvious externally yes that's mm. exactly right joe exactly right because it's what's going on inside your head that counts that's where they're winning the battle at the moment yeah. and that's where you need to start taking back the control over what's happening and presumably this works at all stages because we do know that abuse escalates and that actually you know um I think what we're going to do at some point is talk about that that lockdown is uh, is an ultimate escalator of the abuse kind of cycle just like having a baby or moving house or losing your job is or whatever um, but actually using those techniques when when potentially things are not quite as as you see it on the tv for example you know if, if your only experience of of domestic abuse is seeing somebody beaten up on a, a 
Coronation Street or whatever, you might think that that's what people are experiencing. But it doesn't have to be as bad as that, does it? It can be much more subtle, a push, or just verbally or sexually, yeah. you know, just, you know, taking away your self-esteem, your, you know, your freedom. Yes. All of that counts, doesn't it? Oh, absolutely. Yes, it's almost like a, a sort of a sliding scale um, in yeah. terms of um, the, the, the level of abuse and the way in which it shows up. You know, uh, you could have somebody who is, uh, you know, a sort of um, um, punishes you with their silence. Yeah. And that can also completely mess with what's going on in your, your mind. Yes, and, and, and you like that I'm sorry to interrupt you. That's one of the reasons that I'm interested in this is because it's no, it's only really since I've started um, doing a little bit of work around domestic abuse that I realised that that was what my father did to my mother, is yeah. that withdrawing his verbal communication with her, sometimes for days or weeks on end, Yes, um, was 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 coercive control effectively and, and actually as a small child i was the one in the middle that was expected to communicate between the two of them yeah so it doesn't have to be that obvious and it's taken me over 50 years to work out that that was what was going on well and and yeah this is you know why i'm saying it's it's far more complicated from the inside yeah. and often those things go right back you know to childhood um, and it's it's through what happened in your childhood that maybe your your boundaries around yourself were not firmly enough in place. Your your lack of self esteem that allows that person to you know be able to get in and then get inside your head and mm -hmm. uh, and start that control of your mm -hmm. life. Um, so yeah, uh, there there are such a range of um, ways in which. That's why I always say manipulation, abuse and control. I don't just say abuse because mm -hmm. um, I want, you know, to, to, to make sure that people realise it happens at all sorts of levels. And, and there are things you can do about it. You don't have to accept it. It's, you know, it's not like this is the way it's always been. You can change it. You can change and, it. And there are and, techniques to do that. You know, I've, I was, I've been talking to a social worker friend of mine who works with domestic abuse victims who was a, a domestic abuse victim herself over 20 years you know and um, I saw somebody yesterday who was uh, worked for the World Bank <laughs> you know this is this is all things but so but anyway is there anything else so we've got this very powerful image is there any other technique or anything else that you can suggest for people at the moment well, um, I'm, uh, I've created a little um, gift that um, I know you're going to put the link for. Um, and that um, is, um, again, an exercise that you can do that will help you to maintain control of your emotional state. Because the key thing here is that the more calm you can be, the more you are able to think clearly and the less you will be reacting to what is happening. And therefore, you're, you're in a, a stronger position to be able to make choices about what you do and, yeah. and how you are responding to um, the way in which this person is um, behaving towards you. So calm, keeping calm is a really important part of this. Yeah. You see, you know, Jill, you talked uh, earlier about how fear plays such a huge part here. 
And the problem is that when you are overtaken by these strong and overwhelming emotions, it does kind of cut across your ability to be able to think straight, to be able to think clearly. And it's, it could well be that, uh, especially perhaps if you're, uh, you know, you feel you are in physical danger, you need to be able to think calmly, mm-hmm. even though you're in a situation of danger. So there is that, um, that little exercise which um, uh, that you, can, you can access through the download. But for the purposes of um, what we're doing here in this podcast, then the important thing to understand is that your emotions are controlled through your breathing. And your, the, the, then if you can put your breathing into a state of calmness, then that will help to control what's going on inside your head, inside your thought processes. So, so does the, the MP3 that you're going to do, does that include breathing? That's a lead kind of anxiety yes. reduction? Yes, it is. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's a little, um, it's a, a strategy, a technique that you can use constantly through the day that involves not just breathing also, but... You can but have it on ways, your phone. Wait, yes. No. Yes, mm-hmm. it's for using all the time um, and recognizing when that the chatter is going on inside your head that's stopping you from thinking clearly, that fear is putting there, just to release it, just to, uh, you know, release that so that um, you're, you're in a position to be able to think more calmly. Yes. And then, you know, put that little whatever silly name and face you you yes. put uh, in place yeah yeah, well. yeah yeah so the combination of the two because adrenaline and cortisol those fear hormones you know your hormones are the things that run the show yes you know we, we all think it's our brain and all you know whatever it's our thinking that runs the show it's not our hormones are definitely in control yes and the most powerful ones are the flight and fright hormones which are the yes. adrenaline and cortisol and, and you'll know this, you know, anybody can relate to this. If you've been put in a, a dangerous situation, whether that's, you know, um, a dog coming up and barking at you or, you know, a vehicle that's running headlong into you or whatever the situation is, all you can think about is running away. That's because your brain is just telling you, just get out. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because that's I did, a, I did a TEDx talk around this subject. Yes, Don't let, don't let fear interfere. Yes, um, and we'll, we'll post that link actually as well, because I think, you yes. know, people need to see that TEDx talk too. Well, it puts a, a you know, a, a, a different connotation on, on fear and, and the job of fear. Mm. Um, so yes, uh, you know, if um, anyone uh, would like to, um, to listen yeah, to that. It's a really good watch actually, I have, I have watched it. So, so we've got a couple of really tangible techniques here for anybody that is in lockdown and they are at home, just to perhaps reframe this a little bit, because I know that, you know, one of the the big dangers of suffering with abuse or violence is that, you know, you you kind of stop having a voice, Um, but at least this way you can have a voice in your own head, which is a positive voice. Yeah, That's that's where, you know, winning this battle starts. Yeah. is getting back in charge of what's going on inside here and mm-hmm. and feeling the strength of that and recognizing um you know that that you're not helpless yeah. you're not in a victim place even if you might feel like it but mm-hmm. you know you're only in the victim space if your head is telling you that so mm-hmm. we've got to remove that feeling that um you're a victim here but you you are somebody who can do take practical steps 
to um, get back inside and get control of what's happening inside your head, which is what the abusive person is, is removing from you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so the other thing that I'd, I'd really like to just cover on again, when we touched on it a couple of times as well, is that, you know, we almost certainly in our lives at some stage or another will have friends, relatives, co-workers, associates who are victims of some form of abuse. I, I know I, I certainly know that that's the case for me. Um, and one of the reasons that I wanted to do this show was because there's, there's somebody in our family that um, is suffering at the moment and uh, um, a relative and a relative of both of us just kind of said to me, I can't believe that's happening. I can't, you know, how, how can that happen to somebody like her? You know, how, how does that kind of thing happen? And I had no idea. And, you know, I, you know, he's been watching her profile on Facebook and, but reading between the lines, I was kind of thinking is something really quite not right here. And it was confirmed, you know, uh, fairly recently when I was talking to her own father about it. So my guess is that there will be an awful lot of people like that who just would never think that this was on their radar to look out for yes yeah so, and yeah and that person themselves that they won't be believing that this you know could have happened to them yeah um yeah so, um, can we just talk then a little bit from the angle of how does this start what are the signs um whether you want to talk about it from the victim perspective or from somebody outside looking in, or maybe it's the same thing, I don't know. Uh, but how can we spot the signs? How can we be part of this community now that's going to draw a line under this and really get down into stopping the abuse? Well, um, I want to start by saying, you know, what a brilliant job you are doing here with this campaign of Spot the Signs because it's certainly something that um, every one of us within the community need to be aware of these signs. Um, and of course, a, a, a lot of the things that we might normally notice are now, it's now much more difficult to spot those signs, isn't it? Because we're not actually seeing somebody. Mm -hmm. um, so I wanted to talk about um, two things really that we can we can do to um to really keep our awareness um and as high as possible the first thing is of course just listening mm. you know where we are home far more now and we will be hearing noise from the homes around us and you know we will hear sometimes shrieks and cries and um, you know, people having a little bit of a rant, losing their temper. Um, and some of those will be perfectly normal. They'll just be the normal um, pull and, and tug of, um, yeah. of, of family life. We yeah. know this goes on. It's perfectly normal for us to lose our rag sometimes, for um, the kids to, you know, do our head in and, you know, all of those things, they, they do happen. But listening, if you, if you hear something and you, it feels to you, I don't think that's quite right. Mm -hmm. You see, one of the things I've really learned over the years is to trust your gut instinct. Yeah. Because sometimes something will kick in and it'll be just like a little kick inside your gut 
and you might think, oh, no, I'm, you know, I'm I imagine that, yeah. But, uh, I, you know, every time that I have thought, nah, you know, and paid no attention, I, I've always regretted it because, um, you know, it's, it's always clear then that there was a reason why your gut kicked you there. Mm -hmm. uh, we've learned to forget our gut instinct in our busy, busy, um, high communication, rush, rush world. But the, your gut instinct was there right from primeval times. Um, and it's what protected you and helped you to protect your families. So it's important to listen to what your gut instinct is telling you. Mm -hmm. So if you feel that perhaps in the homes near you, um, something isn't right, find a means of being able to perhaps knock on the door, um, you know, just in a, in a friendly kind of a way. Um, you know, maybe if you got overripe bananas and so you've baked some banana bread, you'd say, no, you know, I've just, I just um, made, all, you know, I've got all this excess of banana bread. I just wanted to leave some for you. Yeah. Um, just so for the children or yes. Yeah. It could be under any premise really, couldn't it? Yes, exactly. Exactly. Just some means that you can make a little bit of contact and, um, and then, you know, as that person opens the door, I know you're going to be two meters away from them, but really be alert about what you're observing. What you, what do you see in, you know, the, the pallor of, of someone's skin, particularly if you feel that this is the person who perhaps is suffering. Um, is there something a little bit, you know, like that, their eyes are not quite making contact mm. um, a little bit of something that that causes the body to slightly shrink in there will be things there that maybe not opening the door fully yeah. maybe kind of guarding what's going on behind the door yes. you know it is it can be quite subtle can't it yes. actually if you're looking out for it yes that's exactly right jill they may even not accept, you know, if, if you've if you've brought a little gift or, you know, they may not accept. Because yeah. um, they and might not be allowed to. Might not be allowed to. So just don't go with any kind of an expectation. Just do it with an awareness of I need to be alert here. Yeah. Now, if you feel um, that it's a cause for concern in terms of you think that person might be in danger. My advice would be to just let the police know. Yeah. Now it doesn't mean that they have to take action straight away. Um, you know, there's something that I often advise people that I work with. Um, I, you know, I know they don't want action taken because perhaps they feel that that might, you know, compromise them. I say, but go to the police station and get it logged. Yeah. So they've got the record. Then if they need to take action, there's not a whole lot of explanation that needs to happen, but they've got, they've got facts there. Now, you Read know, today, Ruth, that in Northern Ireland, the police are actually by, with a matter of course, they are visiting homes where um, incidences have been reported. That's so brilliant. perpetrators yeah. know you're being kept an eye on, actually. Exactly. Because often, you know, we know the bully, they're flagging up, they've got issues. They, you know, it's, it's a cowardly, um, uh, emotionally immature behaviour. And yeah, what stops these bullies from actually going down this kind of route towards 
ultimately potentially killing their partners is the fact that they've always got somebody watching them from the outside you know yes. they've got people that they they're having to put on a face for yes and of course that's the danger at the moment is that nobody's watching them they're in their homes yes. women are, or men are isolated potentially nobody's seeing and that's why this campaign is so important yeah. is that actually they need to know that somebody is watching them Yes. And so, you know, each one of us can play our part and help the police here because now they're on the front line of this. Yeah. Um, so, you know, if you feel that there is um, a, a problem and you think that, um, you know, this person will not be in any kind of a situation to be able to access support for themselves, then just go down to the police station and say, look, you know, this may be nothing but I am concerned and I just want to log this with you. So they've got the address, maybe you know the name of, of those neighbors as well. This isn't tittle-tattling, it's not, it's not being a grass. It's just making sure that the information that may serve to really support somebody who is in um, that abusive situation may serve to possibly even save their life you know that's how extreme it can get it can be yeah and yeah. i would rather if if somebody was concerned about people going out twice a day because you're only supposed to go out twice a day in that circumstance i would like to say to people just mind your own business because you know all you've got to do is look after yourself this is the exception to the rule yes. this is the moment where i don't want you to mind your own business yes and don't leave it to somebody else thinking that it's some or somebody else will report that Yes. It doesn't matter if 10 people report it, yes. you know, you go and do your bit. Yes. And this is, you know, how communities work, isn't it? Yeah. This is looking out for each other. And I, what, what I do love about uh, the situation we're in is that we have become so much more community conscious and so much more aware of how we can care for those in our community. Yeah. So we've been, you know, because of the, the pandemic, we've been looking at those who are vulnerable to that, but we now are hyper aware that there are those who are vulnerable in a very different way that is directly caused by um, the lockdown yes. situation. In the same way that people will die of heart disease and cancer and yes. strokes, you know, domestic abuse is, is part of part of the whole picture. Yes, you're absolutely um, right. There's a, lot, there's a lot of work going on as well with kind of um, code words and stuff like that. So we've already talked about the 99955 um, thing. Uh, there's the, 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 the campaign of in pubs and clubs, you know, if you feel you're under danger, you can go up to the bar and say, is Angela here? So that's the Ask Angela campaign. Have you heard that one? Well, I have, but of course the problem is they're not open now, are no, they? No, I mean, uh, yeah. but there's yeah. also, I'm, I'm trying to kind of think of ways that we can use similar things, these code words. Um, and I was reading somewhere that maybe you know, with somebody like this is you could just let them know that if they really feel that they need help, maybe they could just send you a text and say, can you get me a bottle of milk? Yes. Yeah, something that yes. is very bland. And yes. um, all you need, here's my phone number. If ever you need help, just ask me, or I need a pint of milk or whatever. Yes. And yes. I will know and I will get help for you. Yes. Yes, yeah, anything like that. Um, and, you know, the, the more um, widely known that such, um, such codes can be yeah. made um, w will be a great help. And we're hoping that, you know, it's a lot of responsibility. We've already got huge amounts of responsibility for our post 
postmen and women and our uh, you know people in supermarkets but very often at the moment the only people that these uh, victims are seeing are those key workers it's true yes. isn't it Yes, it's true. Yes. So actually, we we really need them to be hyper vigilant too, because there may well be the woman, and the only thing that she does in a week is go shopping, um, and that's that desperate look in her eyes. And if she slips you a note to say, "Please help me," it really does need to be taken very seriously. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. And the other um, thing you you said about listening yes. is that isn't there a lot to be said about silence as well? So I'm, what I mean is, you know, there might be noise going around for, for abuse, but actually if, if you're, and you referred to this already, was that a lot, of, a lot of the signs and symptoms of this is that people become very withdrawn. Yeah. And so is it a case that uh, there may be people in, in um, your circle who during this time have become even more withdrawn and silent? And that's the thing that is a red flag too, isn't it? Yes, it is. Yes, definitely. Um, I, I mean, in terms of, of, you know, listening within your own home, if, you know, we were saying that it can be quite normal to hear shouting and, and you know, people losing their rag a bit. But if it sounds to you like there's only the one person that's losing their rag and it's followed by silence, yeah. then that could well be a red flag signal. Um, and the other thing that you will notice, and again, it may be um, trickier to notice this now, mm. but thinking about people that you see that perhaps you don't know, um, because with this um, becoming very withdrawn um, as a result of being in an abusive relationship, now you may not be that person when you're with friends and people with whom you feel comfortable, but you will notice as a stark contrast when that person is with the abusive partner mm. they become very different and it's like a shutdown mm. so you will see their their eyes will be lower you will notice if you notice carefully their their body will be slightly tense i don't know whether you can see the slight difference yes, I can. Yeah. Yeah. In, in the way i'm holding myself right now and they won't they won't be looking at the other person. There won't be like a conversation going on. If any words are spoken, their eyes will still stay down. And it will be like they have emotionally shut off. Yes. And the key thing here also is that you will see the same thing happen if a child is with an abusive parent. Yes. Not necessarily that the, the parent is being abusive to that child, but if that child has experienced um, the unwitnessed abuse within the home if they sense that the parent is becoming tense and that you know anger's starting to build up and you'll see everyone else around will will feel it and they'll be almost wanting to pull away from that person and you'll see the child will ha be have it emotionally shut off it's like a shutdown happens yeah so that's a key thing to look out for mm -hmm. um less likely that we will see it right at this point in time but you may do mm. you know you may you know see if there's um uh, a family 
visiting the supermarket or something like that well i'm thinking about you know things like facetime and zoom you know we're having much more i mean i'm you know a lot, a lot of us are speaking more more often yes. <laughs> to our uh, our close ones because we've got more time and like you've just illustrated beautifully there is that i don't need to be physically in the room with you to understand those emotions that you've just portrayed yeah and yeah. so it will be visible if you have a zoom call for example a family zoom call that kind of um reaction will be very very visible and also even you know at this time if people aren't responding to you you know if you're trying to get a hold of them because that's really unusual at the moment because most yes. people are looking to reach out yes. so if somebody's not reaching out then that's that's something to be really concerned about would you agree very much so jill you know that is a really good point um and um also if you do manage to get hold of them and you're on a call with them um do they seem to be perhaps speaking a bit quietly? Yeah. Um, are, are their eyes sometimes darting elsewhere? Um, and and even if they are able to speak with you normally, do do you see in their eyes like you know that they're not actually making contact? That the eyes are just kind of constantly moving because those again are are the signs that um, somebody is under stress of some kind. Yeah. And it may be that the stress is because there's somebody in the household who is behaving um, abusively or in a controlling way towards them. Yeah. So we, you know, what we can do is really heighten our awareness of the signals that we give out. You know, in, in communication, only 7% of communication is actually the words that we speak. Mm. So, you know, that's a massive amount that comes through in our tonality and in our body language. Yeah. And we write from um, prehistoric times. That's how we were communicating with each other. From right from when we didn't have words, we knew we were able to communicate. And you know, babies can understand and we can understand babies through that whole body language. Yeah. So we've got a lot that, that we can use to, um, to be alert and question anything that kicks in and you know get, get right. mm. says something's not right mm. don't ignore that no. see what you can do to gently investigate a little bit further yeah don't, don't push it because you know that somebody might get too terrified and it could spark an even bigger problem yeah, it's a very dangerous time and, and you know you're not necessarily going to go in there and suggest that the woman leaves because that's not necessarily the right time because that's often the most dangerous time for a woman yes um, exactly. it's about being subtle it's about being sportive and discreet and not being judgmental yeah. but just letting them know you're there and and one final thing is that you know what refuge say the domestic abuse um charity say is that victims are much more likely in the first instance to confide in somebody that is close to them so is that you is that you if that is you uh then please be open and aware that uh you know it's your responsibility take take uh take on board that it's okay <laughs> to be a bit nosy at this time in a very subtle way um, and to help um, in whichever way you can.
And there's a, an, in a, another little um, addition to that as well, Jill, because especially if it's someone close to you, you may have their contact number. So, you, you know, you may be able to send like a WhatsApp message or, or um, something like that. Um, and if you feel that the, the message you get back in return is very short, um, doesn't give much information, again, just does that set off alarm bells for you? Mm -hmm. You is know, that, is that in your experience not the way that person would normally? Uh, it's like you know they have to hurriedly send a message. Am I right? Later. <laughs> yeah, you know it's a, it's a, a little bit like that because you know um, anyone that you do feel might be in um, a situation of danger, if you possibly can get a contact number, you know a private contact number of theirs. Um, again, you'd have to go about it in a subtle way if it's not somebody that you you know that well mm. but uh, yes um you if it's somebody you know you may have been uncomfortable and suspicious about um, your friend or your uh, relations partner and you'll be even more aware now of looking out for these signs that yeah. um things are perhaps as you were saying, Jill, they're, they're declining quite rapidly and um, or escalating perhaps is, is a better yeah, way. Of, probably a um, better way. Yeah, yeah, exactly yeah, yeah. Brilliant, Ruth. Well, thank you so much for all your wisdom and insights and honesty um, today. I am going to put links um, into uh, wherever this is posted. So this goes out as a podcast. This will go out as a YouTube. Yeah. I would really um, uh, appeal to everybody to share this um, as much as possible because uh, you know there are some lives that you could potentially save yeah. and if you do happen to see the spot the signs campaign posters these are designed uh, partly some of them have gaps in them so that local services because we've put national services and helplines on the posters but I've also created one where local services could go because we know that you know uh, some of the national ones are really overwhelmed um, but it also allows um, other uh, specific cultures to put their helplines on because, you know, some women will only go to people that, A, there's a language bar barrier, let alone a cultural barrier for some, for some people. Um, so please do make sure that if you see these posters that you share them and not just once. Uh, we know how Facebook works, bless it. <laughs> you know, it likes just to, uh, you know, keep us all guessing and... Uh, yeah, not so <laughs> So um, thank you, thank you, Ruth, and thank you for your generosity in providing the uh, little voice recording as well. I'm sure that's going to help many, many people to just um, get through what is a very, very difficult time. Absolutely, starting to get back control of what's going on inside here will be a really big first step. Thank you. Thank you, Jill, for inviting me. I really appreciate it and. Brilliant, the campaign that you're putting in place here. Well, let's hope we can just make a difference in our very small ways, you and I. Yes, yes, okay. absolutely. Thank you.